This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher. Thanks for joining us on this episode. And I am speaking with our guest today, Brian Wilkerson. Brian spelled with a Y, not an I. And Brian is a senior pastor at Grace Chapel in Boston, and uh, he has been there for 20 years. Brian, thanks for being our guest on Monday Morning Preacher. Happy to be here. Nice to be with you, Matt. Thanks. And uh, Brian, we, we both have the uh, something in common. We both pastored churches in Long Island, right? That's right, and and really loved it. I was there for about 16 years and had a great time there. And I was there for about nine years, and uh, as a guy from Minnesota, I was in culture shock for my first four years, but I really learned to love Long Island culture and have a great experience out there at Three Village Church in East Satawket. That's um, right. It kinda, it, that, cult, that, that energy just kind of gets under your skin, and, and nothing else is quite like it. Yeah, it's so funny because when I preach, um, I have a Long Island accent. And I'm, I grew up in Minnesota, but the Long Island accent is so dominant, it just takes over sometimes when I'm... So I, I learned to love it and adapt to it. Yeah. That's, so, that's Bri- uh, Brian, to, we're going to talk about a topic of uh, preaching and the power of the resurrection, um, and in particular, preaching on Easter Sunday, but just preaching year-round in what does the resurrection mean to our preaching. But uh, before we get into that, uh, just wanted to ask you a more general question. You've been preaching for 35 years, and that's a long time. And so I want to ask you, are you still growing as a preacher? And I, I'm going to answer for you because I know you. I, I know you are. So yes, you are. Uh, but then my question is, what's one thing that you're learning or trying out as a preacher that's exciting to you these days? Okay, thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, and, and actually, in 35 years, I, I'm I'm finding it as enjoyable and challenging and satisfying as ever. So I am happy to say that. Uh, probably an area of growth in terms of methodology, uh, as, I, as I get older and want to get younger voices in the pulpit and want to get more diversity of gender and ethnicity, and yet not give up too many Sundays uh, to other, other preachers, we've been experimenting a little bit with what we call, for lack of a better word, co-preaching. So that when two or three of us might work together on a message, either crafting it and delivering it dialogically back and forth, or I might take 20 minutes and set up a a propositional truth from scripture and then have a younger leader preacher come up and give us 10 minutes of his or her perspective on how that plays out in the world today. um, Interesting. Yeah. Also probably trying to play into a little bit of, our contemporary culture, younger listeners in particular, um, like the kind of podcast dialogical format. So we're just beginning to experiment with that a little bit. I'm, That's really interesting. I think, Brian, we might need to do another podcast on just that and the developing younger preachers that you're doing. That sounds really fascinating. Probably an- oh. another growth area comes yeah. to mind. I'm just finding in our in our cultural climate these days it's a very challenging environment to teach in. People are much more reactive. They're much more polarized. Hmm. And so I, I am finding my preaching to be uh, maybe a little, a little less declarative, a little more dialogical, Hmm. like let's have a conversation. It's okay to disagree. Come back next week. Rather than declaring things with certainty, it's more of an invitation to a journey. Uh, I, I just find that my my tone is changing just a little bit. 
Huh, that's really interesting. I'd love to see how you do that because one of the things I appreciate about your preaching is just it's so rooted in Scripture and it's so clear and easy to follow. So I'd love to see how you do that with your kind of your signature clarity uh, and biblical exposition, but then adding that to it. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Well, we got we got a lot more to talk about. So sure, um, sure. So when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. Obviously, it's a pretty big deal in Scripture, pretty big deal in the Christian theology. What difference do you think that makes week in and week out as a preacher in your sermon prep, in your sermon delivery, in whatever? What difference does that reality make in weekly preaching? I, I, two things come to mind. I think the first is it's the ultimate expression or invitation to a fresh start and a new beginning. Hmm. So that no matter what has happened to you, no matter what life has done to you, no matter what state your life, marriage, health, church, community is in, there's always the possibility of a fresh start, of a new beginning, that Christ has conquered everything, sin, death, evil, injustice, the very worst that the world can deliver, Christ has conquered. So there's always this hopefulness, this possibility of a better future that I think Easter represents. And then the second idea, I suppose, is the uniqueness of the Christian message. Hmm. Christianity, for the most part, stands alone with this kind of a proposition that God became man, lived, died, and then conquered death, lived to tell about it, and still lives today. That's that sets Christianity apart from just about every other religious option sure. out there. You got to pay attention to this because it's unlike any other message. Yeah, and I think that adds great power and and uh, engagement and intrigue. That is incredibly good news. You have preached. Uh, is this going to be your thirty fifth Easter sermon coming up this year? Yeah, actually, it will. That's exactly right. Thirty five. Okay. Yeah. So thirty five. So. You've already done 34 sermons on the resurrection of Jesus, <laughs> probably more, but 34 Easter sermons. So tell us some of your top three or four sermons that you think were your favorites and maybe resonated the most with your people, you know, get that text, big idea, uh, and why you like those sermons. Give me just a quick summary of those. Brian's top, okay. top three or four. All right. One that I remember striking me early on as I was wrestling with Easter texts was the the abrupt ominous ending of Mark 16, you mm. know, without the additional, without the additional ending, you know, the, the, it basically ends with the women walking away and they were afraid. And so I remember titling that message, who's afraid of Easter and realized that as I thought about that, Easter really is a frightening proposition that it, it's different from Christmas. You know, Christmas is about a new baby. It's about shepherds and magi and people who believe, except for the Herod piece, obviously. Right. But in Luke's, in Luke's account, it's all good news. It's all just wonderful and beautiful and sentimental and satisfying. Easter is about a graveyard. It's about an open tomb. It's soldiers. It's distraught women. It's confused disciples. A tragic, violent death. Every, everyone fails around the event. The disciples fail, the soldiers, everyone does poorly, except for the women, for the yeah, most part. Yeah, right. And Easter is a, is, a, is a big deal. If it's true, 
it, it, it changes everything about life and human history and the universe. If it's not true, then as Paul says, our faith is in vain. So I just remember feeling like that's a very strange way to end the Easter story and the gospel. They were afraid, but that's how high the stakes are. Yeah. And uh, so I had had fun with that. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So it's it's a kind of a really good disorientation, man. Yes, exactly. The exactly. ultimate disorientation. Any other ones that top of your list? That's a good uh, another one. one. Yeah, a, a favorite passage for many of us, I'm sure, is John 21, which uh, I've entitled that message way back, the Breakfast Club. It's just it's a beautiful story for one thing. You, you know, the you've got the the deja vu all over again thing happening with the fish and the miracle out on the water. You've got Peter's goofy behavior, jumping into the boat, jumping out of the boat and into the water. You've got the mystery of these 40 days after the resurrection with Jesus coming and going. And then this beautiful scene of breakfast by the sea and Jesus cooking breakfast for his friends. So it's intimate, it's warm. And I just, I just had such fun with that image and got to the idea that Easter is about breakfast. It's hmm. about a new day. Breakfast means the day has become begun. Anything's possible. So I, I talked about uh, Easter means friendship. Friends meet for breakfast. Guys love to meet for breakfast. Jesus wants yeah. that kind of a relationship with us. That's... It's also a story of, story of forgiveness. You know, Peter gets a fresh start, and, and breakfast is about a new day, a new beginning, and and the, the, the next chapter of his career as a disciple was beginning. Jesus ends by saying, follow me. Yeah. So I just had really a lot of fun with that breakfast club imagery. I love that concrete image of just breakfast. And it is the start of a new day. I, that is really good. I've never seen that in that text before. But that's, that's a great way to approach Easter preaching. So I got to admit, in one of your sermons, I think you had, you gave one of my favorite Easter sermon illustrations ever. It was a story about a roadrunner, the roadrunner and Wiley E. Coyote. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and one of your sons, right? So what was that yeah, illustration? Yeah. People still bring that one up to me. I, w- I was preaching. I kind of begun the message with uh, the, the twin terrors of sin and death that we want to, we want to tell a good story with our lives. We want to live well and live long but these two enemies of sin and death just keep getting in the way and, and ruining everything, and we can't seem to get beyond them. So I told this story about uh, my family, my young family being out for dinner. Uh, the kids were all young. We have four kids. So we're all seated around the table at this restaurant with, with TVs all over the room. So there were cartoons playing on every screen all around us. So we're all sitting at the table, you know, just doing what families do, chatting. And my youngest son, who was about four at the time, just had his eyes glued to one of the TV screens uh, and he was watching this kind of continuous loop of Roadrunner cartoons. So we all know that, that, uh, that deal, the Wiley Coyote strapping rocket pelled roller skates yep. on his feet or shooting himself out of a cannon, launching himself from a slingshot, trying to get the Roadrunner. And, and after watching for a long time, Daniel just seemed to have this epiphany and during a lull in the conversation, Without taking his eyes off the screen, Daniel quietly announces to the table, no matter what he does, he's never going to get the chicken. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was just this awareness he had of how he heard the storyline. Yeah. And no matter what we do, we're not going to beat sin and death. Yeah. We've tried everything. We try everything and we just can't. Beat <laughs> sin. That's great. But Jesus did, and he rose again. Jesus did. Hallelujah. Right. He, he beat that's, the chicken. That's a great way to set up, you know, Brian, what Brian Chappell calls the fallen condition focus. That is just yes, a great, yes. great illustration to illustrate that. So 34 years, 34 sermons, and you got one more coming up this year. So how do you prepare yourself spiritually? Keep your soul engaged, your mind fresh, your illustrations fresh, your... Just well, more than anything, not just you as a preacher, but you as a as a person and as a pastor. How do you keep your soul open to the Lord and excited about the message of the resurrection? Okay, great, yeah, and 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 I'll 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 admit that for me, Easter's probably the scariest Sunday of the year. Mm-hmm. It's it's all on one Sunday. Yeah, you know, Chris, Christmas is a big deal. You get lots of visitors and a lot of expectations, but Christmas is kind of spread out over a bunch of Sundays and you know, Christmas Eve services. So you get a few whacks at it. True. And, and Christmas is just a sweet sentimental story to tell. So Easter, like I said, is scary. It's about life and death. It's about a grave. Mm. And everybody shows up and they've all got their family and they say it better be good pastor. Cause I got my husband or my, my kids here or something. So yeah. it's a scary Sunday. So for me, uh, my preparation, a lot of it just comes out of the whole Lenten season. I try to lean into Lent. So I'll choose a devotional guide, uh, Walter Wangerin or uh, Biola has a nice one they've been doing in recent years out of the uh, Center for Contemporary Culture and the Arts that you can get online. Mm. Just terrific. So for those weeks leading up to Easter, I try to be a little more devotionally focused and tracking with the journey. One thing I've done over the years is I just have a big fat folder, both for Christmas and Easter, where I just save stuff over the years. Uh, You know, uh, an article, something I tear out of a magazine, a sermon, a copy from a a book, something like that, old sermons. And I just dump stuff in there over the years. And so after 35 years, those are fat folders. But I kind of get them out about a month or so before Christmas and Easter and just spend an hour or two flipping through them and it just stimulates my mem- my memory it helps me be creative i come across illustrations i'd forgotten about that's just kind of a little ritual i go through that's helpful and then in recent years i have found a collaborative process we have a teaching team of about seven of us and a creative team and sitting with those folks and they make me start early months and months in advance so we kick around ideas together, and that helps keep me fresh because they see things in ways I might not have seen them. That's yeah, that's some great practical stuff. I love the folder idea, although now I have something called Evernote. Yes, yes, yeah. So, and that's probably how most people would do it. I'm still old. I'm old school. I got so many things I've saved over the years. Yeah. I'm just glad to hear that I'm technologically ahead of somebody. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Brian. So I got one more question for you. So I think after 34 years, you have earned the right to be called a preaching mentor, and you are mentoring people already. So what? advice or encouragement would you give to fellow preachers about preaching 
the power of Christ's resurrection or preaching uh, even this Easter? Yeah, the, the thing I find myself saying most often to preachers and especially emerging younger preachers is go back to the text. Just go back to the text. Dig a little deeper, spend more time with it, read it in a bunch of versions, print it on a piece of paper and mark it up, memorize it, go for a run or a walk and turn the words and ideas over in your head. I just, I, I'm, I'm finding it's, it's with all the resources available online these days, it's just too easy to start surfing and chasing down stories, other people's sermons, mm. quotes, articles, yeah. and the power and the beauty is in the text. And I just find after 35 years, I mean, I, I preached this past Christmas and I just feel like it was fresh and new for me. I found things I hadn't found before. So what's unique about this passage? Why is this in the Bible? When has something like this happened to me or someone I know? Um, just find something fresh in the scripture. Yeah, that's so good, Brian. I was talking to some younger preachers at um, in our ministry tra- training school and talking about um, just being infatuated with the text, like you've just fallen in love. Like my friend, right. uh, a bishop friend named Todd Axenson from Canada says, it's kind of romantic, isn't it? Our relationship with God, <laughs> that, that's you know? That's it, exactly. <laughs> and it is, you know? Just love it. Be fascinated by it. Be curious. Like, I want you to tell me everything there is to know about you, text, you know, because it's the that's Word exactly. of God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that, Brian. That's such a great reminder. I mean, there's so many glut of resources, but yeah, just start with the text. Go back to the text. That's great. Brian, I want to thank you for being with us. I want to thank you for being such a faithful contributor to PreachingToday.com over the years. You have great sermons and articles, and so thank you for your work that you're doing. Just, just, a, just a student of the craft of preaching and a practitioner, so thanks for your ministry. Well, hey, I, I love doing it. Thanks for a chance to talk about it. I'll do that anytime. Thanks, and thanks for joining us on Monday Morning Preacher. This is Matt Woodley at Preaching Today.